Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Give ourselves. Um, okay, again, I just want to wish you all a happy Mother's Day. I hope that you are 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 milking it as much as I am. Every time Layla asks me to do something or gives me a look, I'm like on Mother's Day. So use that. It works every time. It's really good, at least for today. Um, but welcome to our visitors. Um, as Pastor Ryan always says, you're part of the family now, so we hope that you come back and see us. Um, we love having you here. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Melissa. I'm Pastor Ryan's wife. Um, yeah. And if you don't know me personally, you might feel like you do because Pastor Ryan loves to use me in his illustrations. Um, for his sermon, but I have the mic today, so I might share some fun stuff with y'all. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so pastor Ryan asked me to bring the word, um, the word today. And he, after I said, yes, he told me the same thing that he told me last year, which was on father's day. We always get after the fathers, So you need to get after the mothers. But I told him we're pretty perfect. So that's going to be hard to do. Um, but I do, I do have a word for you all, and I hope that it touches you. Um, I think I, I have this thing in my head where I think I'm unique when it comes to the struggles I deal with. It's just me. I'm the only one who has these struggles. But in reality, there are so many people who struggle and deal with the same things that we do. And when we allow God to use us, he can minister through our chaos, and we can testify of his goodness um, through, our, through our pain. Um, so today we're going to be reading from Genesis on the story of Sarah and Abraham. And I think that we get to hear the story a lot of times from the viewpoint of Abraham. Um, but since it's mother's day, uh, we're going to look at it from Sarah's perspective. So this story goes on for several chapters, but right now we're going to read just a couple of passages starting in Genesis, uh, 12 verses one through five, which says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And then we're going to read one more passage, which is Genesis uh, chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, which awkwardly says, um, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. 
And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Uh, We're going to go ahead and pray this morning so we can get started. Father God, I thank you so much for everyone who is here today. I thank you for all the beautiful moms. I thank you for the children and the husbands that they've brought with them, Lord. I pray that you would just um, open up our hearts, our minds, so that we would receive what it is that you have for us today. Uh, Bless this message. uh, bless, Bless my lips as I give this, Lord, and let your Holy Spirit guide me. In your name we pray. Amen. So just a quick note, you might hear me going back and forth um, between Sarah and Sarai and Abram and Abraham. They're the same person. God changes their name um, later through their story. So just FYI. Um, So looking at the story of Sarah, we know that she was barren or she was unable to conceive for the majority of her marriage. And during this time, not only did a barren woman have to go through the emotional pain that a woman has to go through when they so long to have a child and they're unable to, but during this time, it was a particular... not, I don't want to say requirement, but people, an expectation um, that people put on them that the wife should give their, be able to give their husband a child. Um, so this is, this is what Sarah was dealing with. Um, and on top of all of those expectations, God himself gave her husband, Abraham, a promise that he would be the father of many nations. Um, there's just so much to digest within the story. Um, there's really honestly a whole lot more that I have on this, but I have 12 pages and I don't want to keep you here forever. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm still not going to say, but you definitely need to read the story. Um, I want to start with the calling of a husband from a wife's perspective. We see in Genesis chapter 12 that Abraham is given the beautiful promise of becoming, um, a nation and being blessed beyond measure. And God just, he says he's going to be his protector and he gives him these beautiful words of what he's going to do in his life. Um, all Abraham, all Abraham has to do is leave his home country, his relatives and his father's family and go where God is calling him to, to go. So then we see in verse five that Abraham takes his wife and takes, um, you know, a few family and, and takes his possessions. And then he starts on his journey and, and I don't want to speculate and I don't want to put words into Sarah's mouth. I don't want to start any rumors. Right. But if I were Sarah and Pastor Ryan came to me and he said, well, God said this, this, and that. Come on, we got to go. <laughs> I'm going to have to say, hold on, you know, because I'm going to need some clarification on a few things, right? Or on a lot of things. Um, so I'm going to want to know, like, first of all, does God want me to go with you? Like, are you sure this was for both of us? Um, you know, what role am I, am I doing here? Because he, he called you. Like, I don't, I don't think he called me, right? Um, so those are things, you know. I tend to do this a lot. I want to play 50 questions every time something happens, especially if plans change. Like, hold on. Let's see. Let's see if this is right. Um, So I imagine if I were Sarah, at least, I would imagine this is what she would want to know. You know, these are some thoughts or some questions she might have. So we think about Sarah's situation. She has been unable to have children for quite some time. And now God is telling her husband that he's going to become the father of many nations. And it's so nice to think that if God were to share a promise um, with you, for you, about you, that you would think, oh, well, God gave the promise. That's it. I don't have to worry or I don't have to doubt because God gave me this promise. But in reality, we're still human, right? And we still have just as much doubt as we have with everything else. And we have just as much fear as we have with everything else, right? Um, I imagine the, the doubt flooded Sarah's mind. Abraham is going to be the father of many nations. Where does that leave me? I'm barren and I can't give him the very thing that God has promised him. So the story of Sarah is one that I can relate to on some level, 
The majority of you know the story, and Pastor Ryan says it, he said it a few times and I've said it too, um, the story of when he felt the calling to become a pastor. Um, it, this was something that we had decided way before we got married, because we dated for a really long time, before we got married and then even when we got married, that we wouldn't become pastors and we had our reasons for that. Um, we went to Bible school. We went to Bible school together. So we, I, I don't know if we just felt the need like, okay, we're going to Bible school, but just so you know, like, I'm not going to be a pastor, okay? I don't know, but we clarified that. So it was, that was what I thought was set in stone. Um, and then I can remember the day that he, I was doing my hair, and he comes into the bedroom, and he looks a little scared, and I don't know if it's because I was holding a hot tool. I don't, I don't know. But he comes into the bedroom, and he's like, hey, babe, and I'm like, Yes. And he's like, uh, I, I want to talk to you about something. And I'm like, okay. And he says, I really feel like God is calling me to be a pastor. And I remember like, I'm doing my hair and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, gosh, we talked about this. Um, you know, and it, it's a funny story to hear and to tell, but, um, it actually started, you know, this inner struggle within me, and it, it, it lasted for quite some time. Um, so uh, this was very hard for me, and at first I dealt with feelings of frustration and feeling betrayed. Um, but as time went on, I couldn't, I began to see the beautiful way in which God was using my husband. And I couldn't deny that this was the calling over his life, and who am I to stand in between someone and their calling, right? Um, so... Then my feelings started to shift from frustration and betrayal to to feelings of sadness and loneliness. And it's not because of anything that Pastor Ryan did. Praise God, I have an amazing husband. Um, Calm down. (laughs) Um, But I started to wonder if God even saw me for me. You know, did he see me, Melissa, or did he see me as Pastor Ryan's wife? Did he see... Me as Melissa, or did he see me as the plus one? You know, so those were, those were things that I started to dwell on. And I started to wonder, God, do I have anything to offer you? Like my, my husband, he has all of these talents. Like even growing up, even uh, when he did fine arts, he was in like a million things also. And he did awesome. And, and, and I, I think about that and I think to myself, like, God, what, what do I have to offer you? What do I bring to the table, right? But God, time and time again, has shown me that he's not asking for an amazing gift or talent. He doesn't need it. He's God. What is, why does he need me to be great, right? All he's asking for is my obedience, and I know that, I know that maybe some of you don't relate in that sense, but what area in your life do you feel like you're less than? Or you feel like you don't have what it takes? Is it with your family? Is it being a mom? You know, what area are you feeling not enough or ill-equipped? So, so not only that, not only um, that, that, but God has really shown me my value and worth within my marriage, going back to, to kind of my perspective of it. And I knew sister Steph was going to appreciate this portion of it. Our amazing marriage leader. Um, do you realize your worth ladies and Genesis two, um, 18, after God created Adam, he says, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, some of you hear the word helper and I have some amens, but some of you are like Ugh, the helper. Like, ugh. <laughs> and it makes you a little upset because you think helper and you think, oh, that's less than like, ugh. Um, 
And, and um, yes, ladies, we are called to submit to our husbands, and there is beauty in the order that God has created within the family. But th- that's a mess. That's another message. And actually, Pastor Ryan preached on it. If you want to look for it, it's it was last year in February, and it's called the Help. And that me- that title is a little offensive, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good message. And I do encourage you to to go back and listen to it. Um, uh, but going back to the Helper, we were created to support our husbands. Supporting someone doesn't mean that you're weaker or that you're less valued by any means. And do you know that in the Bible? Someone else was referred to as the helper. In Psalm 54, 4, David is crying out to God and says, but God is my helper and keeps me alive. And in John, 4, in John 14, 16, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he tells Philip, um, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So both God and the Holy Spirit, and there's, there's more examples I just listed to, are described as helpers. And so does that mean that because they're helpers, that they are less than the people that they are helping? Absolutely not. So if, if God can be described as a helper, then I can be described as a helper. What an honor and privilege we have as wives that we were created to be a part of someone else's success um, and be their strength in in times of need and vice versa them with us. There is a beauty in the covenant of marriage and when God calls a man, Pastor Marita said it earlier, he calls the wife. Amen. And maybe maybe you feel ill-equipped to support the call of your husband like Sarah probably did. And like I, like I did, but guess what? You better get ready because the same way that God is developing your spouse, he's developing, he's strengthening their character, he's going to do that with you. Somebody say, get ready. Amen. Ladies, God has created, with, created you with just as much purpose as he created man. And God knows you. He knows you. Not because of who you're married to, not because of... Your kids, not because of the prayer warriors that your parents or your grandparents were, but he knows you independent of anything that you're tying your worth to. God formed you in your mother's womb and there's no one or no thing that can pluck you from his hands. You are a child of God and you need to start acting like it. I got to tell myself that often. So hold your head up high when you walk through the valleys. Hold your head up high when you're trying to get to the promise because you're not alone. The God Almighty himself is right beside you. And that's my first point today. Sometimes we just need to silence all the background noise and let God remind us of who he created us to be. Once we silence the noise and listen to the voice of God, he will lead us where he wants to go. And when when he does, we must be obedient. I know some of you ladies are sitting here and you're thinking, I wish I had Sarah's dilemma of having to blindly follow my husband's lead. My husband, he's not a believer and I have to carry the weight of it. I have to carry the burden on my, my own. I realize that I'm not blind to that, ladies. And I want to tell you two things. I want you to know that one, I'm believing with you. I'm believing with you that one day that your husband is going to be by your side and that he's going to serve the kingdom of God with you for the honor and glory of God. I believe it. I really do. And the second thing I want you to know, and this goes for everyone, men included, we all have to support and follow the lead of someone else. Maybe you're not supporting your husband in ministry, but you have to support the leaders of a ministry within the church, or you support the vision of your boss at work, or whatever the case may be. 
We are all helpers, right? And this is hard for some of us because we let our pride get the best of us. I think I like to say, like, I'm not prideful, but sometimes I I do feel a little bit of pride, like, creep up, and I'm like, whoa. So, like, has anyone ever had a boss who was younger and less experienced than them? Everyone's laughing, so I'm going to take that as a yes. I have. I was in retail management for 10 years, um, and when I stepped down, I had someone who was younger and less experienced than me you know, bossing me around, telling me what to do. And they would like, I was in retail. So we would have like these huddles where we would get together and it's like, okay, you do this, you do that. And I expect you to have this many, you know, um, credit cards. And so they gave us our goals. Right. And then, um, I would go off and I would do my thing. And if they had a question, they would come ask me and I wanted to say so bad. Well, 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 like look who's helping who now, you know, like that pride just sometimes want to, wants to come out. Right. So do I have any petty people who would like, well, well, no, thank you. I'm not alone. Okay. I'm not, I'm not petty guys, but sometimes, sometimes I just got to check myself. Okay. Okay. So, um, seriously, sometimes our, our calling as Christians is to support those in leadership. Sometimes our calling is not to call the shots, right? But to support the vision that was given to someone else and to support it with excellence. And if we're honest with ourselves, we might find that, yeah, we're willing to support. Like, yeah, of course I'm going to support you. I'm going to support you. But once the vision starts to mess with our comfort, then we're not so sure how supportive we can be anymore. It's really quiet. Okay. Okay. Awkward. Okay, so Sarah had to leave her place of comfort in order to follow a vision that was given to someone else that involved her doing something that she felt ill-equipped for and uncertain of. But ultimately, she decided to follow her husband. And this was not an easy journey. Again, go back and read the story. As we read earlier, she had to leave her home, her place of comfort. And guys, if you know me, you know, I know Pastor Maritza knows, I know Pastor D knows, my life goal is to be comfy. Like, that is my goal. Like, other than bringing souls to the kingdom, my life goal is to be comfy. If you know me, you know that I'm not trying to go on any adventures. I know Claudia and Joelle know that. Um, my vacation buddies, I'm not trying to start anything new. I'm not really trying to pick up any new hobbies other than my plant babies. Um, but I'm like low risk, trying to keep it calm. I'm trying to skate by in life with with as little disturbance as possible. That's me. In case you didn't know, now you know. Um, so so um, as we established earlier, when the call was given to Abram, it was also given to Sarah. Um, Sarah probably never asked to be the mother of nations, but Abraham had to go and be an overachiever, right? He gets promised, you know, that he's going to be the father of nations. And Sarah's probably like, I just wanted one son. Like, I just, that's all I'm asking for, God. And, and as they're on this journey, they face many obstacles, which as we all know, only makes it harder to believe. Obstacles come and we grow weary. Our faith starts to diminish and we become skeptical. In Genesis chapters 17 and 18, we see that God changes Sarai's name to Sarah, which means mother of nations. And he reaffirms the promise um, to Abraham saying that Sarah will have a child in a year. Sarah hears this and laughs. Now, to be fair, she was 90. So I can see where there's like a little bit of humor in that. Um, but, But she's probably thinking maybe God forgot how old she was. And maybe God forgot that for 90 years or, you know, during this time that she has been barren or, or maybe when God makes a promise, he doesn't have the same restrictions and the same time frames that we have. And if you've ever been given a calling that didn't match your reality, then you can relate to the doubt that Sarah was feeling. 
But if you truly surrender your life to God, then you must be obedient to his call and hold on to your faith. And when the time is right, God will bless you. This is my second point today. Honor God and he will bless you. First Peter 5, 6 says it like this. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. If God makes you a promise, consider him faithful. His word will not come back void. Hold on to it and continue to seek him. Continue to serve him in whatever capacity he's asking you. Don't get caught up in titles or pride And on the other side of the spectrum, don't let your doubt and fear keep you from what God is calling you to do. Pastor Ryan spoke on this recently. We are all a part of the same body of Christ. And we all have our purpose that works together to honor God. We don't need to be the head to be a pillar. Seek God and be obedient when he calls you. Hebrews 11.11 says, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing, childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And I love how it says enabled in the, in the translation that I used. Because there was no denying that Sarah was barren and incapable of having children, but God enabled her to do so. We can't deny that our circumstances and our abilities are oftentimes prohibiting us from doing certain things that we would love to do. But if God promises you something, rest assured that in the right time, he will enable you to make it happen. He's going to give you the authority and the means to make it a reality. And I know this is easier said than done. We just got to have faith, be obedient, and get blessed. Easy. Well, sure, the, the getting blessed part is easy, right? Bring all the blessings. And you may think that because I'm standing up here preaching this word that I must have the obedience and the unwavering faith mastered, but I can guarantee you that is false. (laughs) I say this all the time because it's so true. This daily walk that we do with God, it's just that. It's a daily walk. And it it requires you to surrender daily. It requires you to, to refocus daily and to be obedient daily. And whatever it is that you struggle with, whether it be doubt, fear, anger, addiction, fill in the blank, let it be your reminder to surrender to God. I love the illustration that Paul gives in 2 Corinthians of having a thorn in his flesh. We plead with God to take away this thorn in our flesh. Whatever our struggle may be, God, take it away. However, God tells us instead of him taking it away, let it be Sometimes he does take it away, sorry. But in in this instance, and maybe in many of our instances, God says, instead of taking it away, let it be a reminder that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. So stop worrying how you're going to keep your struggle under control and start trusting that God is going to bless you with his overwhelming grace and strength to fulfill his purpose in your life. And as we continue to read the story of Sarah, we see that she tries to take matters into her own hands to fulfill the promise of God. Has anyone ever done that before? God gives you a word in your heart and you're doing your best to be obedient and wait on the promise. But then too much time starts to pass by. And then you start wondering if God wants you to maybe go about it a different way. Sarah tells Abraham to sleep with her servant Hagar so that the child would be counted as Sarah and Abraham's. Now, this was actually a common practice in this time period for a man to sleep with another woman or to take another to take another woman um, so that the child would be counted as the child of the married of the original married couple. But can I just say on a side note, 
Abraham should have known this would end badly. That's just, that's just what I think. He should have known. He should, how could he not know? While we're at it, I also want to say that I think Adam in the garden, right, should have known also. I think that he should have known better. Like, how long have these men been married to these women and they don't know them yet? Like, the, like the people... The people in Bible times, like, they lived a really long time. So they had even more time to know their women. Goodness. So I'm, I'm just saying, side note, that was a side note. But I will throw the men, I know that I'm talking to the ladies of night, a, a lot today, but I'm going to throw you a bone too. Here we go. When women are talking to you and they're hungry or they're scared or they're upset, Choose your next words and your actions wisely, okay? It's going to save you a lot of grief. Mothers, moms, that was for y'all. Okay, so look at what happened when Abraham listened to Sarah when she told him to sleep with Hagar. Genesis 16, 4 says, And when Hagar saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Messed up. So then verse 5 says, And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong to me be on you. I gave you my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. And I can just imagine, I can just imagine Sarah telling Abraham this and Abraham's jaw just dropping to the floor. Like, how in the world is this my fault? Like, you told me to do it. You told me. Men, this is what I'm talking about. What you should know, uh, you should know your wife doesn't mean it when she says things out of emotions. You should know this. You should know it. Pastor Ryan knows. He knows I'm crazy. Um, so so um, then Abraham responds in verse 6 with, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. And you see how quickly Abraham tried to redeem himself? Men, y'all need to take notes on that part. Okay, verse 6 goes on to say, Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled. Okay, I know I like to joke a lot, and I always, if you, if you know me well, you know I like to blame anything on, on the guy. Like, if a girl comes and she's like, oh, my husband did that. I'm like, he did what? I don't even know the whole story. He did what? You know, and, and we could be, we could be, Pastor Ryan says that I have too much girl power sometimes. Because, because we could be watching a movie, and the girl is, like, clearly insane. Like, she's trying to murder her husband or something. Like, she's clearly off the walls. And I'll be like, well, what did he do to make her like that? What did he do? We didn't see that part of the story. They didn't play it. <laughs> no, but, but for real, reading this story, it, it's, let's be honest, it's evident that Sarah messed up, right? She messed up. She made a mistake. And if you go back and you read the story of Abraham and Sarah, you'll see that two times, not just once, but twice, Abraham tried to pass Sarah off as his sister to, pre- to preserve his life because Sarah was so beautiful, he thought that they would kill him in order to take her. So instead, he said she was his sister, which was half true, gross. But, um, and he let, them, he let them take Sarah so that she would become the wife of the leader of the land and they would leave him alone, right? And so, and both times that this happened, God dramatically demands that these leaders release Sarah because she's a married woman. So this, this story is really good. Like, like, it's like lifetime, but better. It's good. <laughs> Um, so I don't know how much more clear, honestly, God could get with Sarah and Abraham that this covenant was to be carried out by them and only them. So Sarah messed up. She made a mess of the promise that was given. And what does God do? 
In Genesis chapter 17, verses 15 through 16, it says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Do you see the faithfulness of God? She messed up, and God is still faithful. So even after she messed up, she got sidetracked. He still sees her, and he honors her. My third point is, we don't serve a God who gives up or cancels us when we mess up. He created us. He knows we're human. He knows our flaws. Yet he still sees us and chooses to work through us and bless us even when we don't deserve it. Now, don't don't get it twisted. This doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want and you're still going to get your blessings. We will have to live with the consequences of our actions just as Sarah did. But when we continue to serve him, he will not kick you to the side. Instead, he redeems us and our mess. And practically speaking, what does it look like when we are living a life devoted to God, but we mess up? How can God redeem us if we've sinned? We must live a life of worship and obedience. This means that we are building that relationship with God by reading our word and spending time in prayer so that we know the voice of God. God will lead us if we allow him. Uh, One of my constant prayers is, Lord, let me be sensitive to your Holy Spirit so that I may be led and empowered to do what you want me to do. And as we continue to build this relationship, God will give us the strength to resist the temptations of our flesh. Unfortunately, we will inevitably fail at times because we're human. But we can't let that derail us from our life of worship and obedience to God. So there's this children's song that my mother-in-law taught Ellie, and I'm pretty sure you changed the words because I tried to look for the words for the purpose of this sermon, and I couldn't find those words. But I'm going to say it the way my mother-in-law says it, because it's it's better that way anyways. So the the song is, um, it says, oh, I wish I had a little white box to put my Jesus in. Um, I'd take him out, I'd pray all day, and I'd never let him back again. Some of you are smiling like, yeah, that's definitely not how it goes. It is? Oh, she says it. I don't know. Okay, and then it, and then it says, and then it says um, oh, I wish I had a little black box to put my devil in. Oh, a devil in. Um, I'd take him out. And, no, I'd lock him up and throw away the key, and I'd never um, let him out again. So, but when Ellie sings it, sometimes she mixes it up. So sometimes she says, oh, I wish I had a little black box to put my Jesus in. I'd lock him up and throw away the key, and I'd never let him out again. You see what you taught her? (laughs) So y'all pray for her. Um, No, but my point is, I think that we get it confused sometimes. We think that because we messed up that we can no longer come to God. We think that we're shunned and no longer valuable to God. He doesn't want us anymore. But I want to share something that I read that was, it was beautiful. And I'm about to end, so if I can get the worship team to come up. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says this. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So that verse alone is is beautiful and perfect. Um, But looking a little further into this verse, I found out the significance of the adoption metaphor that was was used. And it says this. It's a little long, so just stick with me because it's really good. It says, in the Roman world, adoption was a significant and common practice. 
In the Roman world, with few exceptions, a man had to pass his wealth onto his sons. If a man had no sons, or if he felt that his sons were incapable of managing his wealth or were unworthy of it, he would have to adopt someone who would make a worthy son. These adoptions were not infant adoptions as is common today. Older boys and adult men were normally adopted. In some cases, the adoptee might even be older than the man who was adopting him. When the adoption was legally approved, the adoptee would have all his debts canceled and he would receive a new name. He would be the legal son of his adoptive father and entitled to all the rights and benefits of a son. A father could disown his natural born son, but an adoption was irreversible. So debts were canceled. They were given a new name, which means what? That they're no longer the person that they were before. They were entitled to rights and benefits of a son, and it was irreversible. This is the metaphor that was used to show us how God sees us. Numa, let's go ahead and stand up, because that right there, that verse, when we live our life in worship and obedience to God, he keeps us. We're his. We are seen. We are valuable. I asked the worship team to sing the song Promises, and, and they'll sing it in a second. I, I asked them because it's talking about the faithfulness of God and how even when everything around us is going wrong, that we will still worship him and put our trust in him because we know that he is faithful. And I'm going to ask if we can get our prayer team to join us at the front. And as they're, they're coming up, if you, are, if you are fighting for a promise this morning, you don't have to, it's not just for moms, this is not just for moms, but if you are fighting for a promise this morning, I want you to come up and let us wage war alongside you. We want to pray and believe with you that God is going to bless you when the time is right because he still sees you and he loves you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.